Hello, my name is Brian Arnell. I'm with Oklahoma State University. My position is Precision Nutrient Management Extension Specialist. I get to work with all things nutrients and the crops that we grow here in Oklahoma and get to play with Precision Ag. Today, I want to talk about potassium and potassium application in our summer crops. Of recent, there's a lot of interest in hay fertility. We've seen a lot of uh, symptomologies of potassium deficiency. There's also a lot of interest and curiosity about the methods we use for soil test K uh, recommendations. I'll say one, we have a lot of history on soil test K recommendations. We understand there are weaknesses in there. A soil test is just trying to extract via chemical methods what the roots can see. A lot of current research is evaluating the drying methods we use going into the soil testing lab. So, so don't think we're not trying to advance science when it comes to soil test potassium. But I will say a lot of the things I learned in the field as an agronomist and extension specialist is telling me it's not just the soil test which is leading us to the conditions we might see. So taking a soil sample to get potassium recommendations still has great value as what I see. Uh, one thing to look at it is this. If the soil test shows low values, your probability of response is going to be high. If your soil test is high, your probability response is lower. You need to remember a soil test value when we look at it the sufficiency range. For Oklahoma State, it's 125 ppm soil test K is sufficiency. That means a crop should have enough to get through its entire life cycle without a deficiency. As you go closer to zero, the sufficiency drops. This isn't a true sliding scale. This scale, the soil test index, it's, it's an indices. This, this, this look at how much is in the, the soil doesn't give us an absolute value on return. It really, I like to think of it as a probability scale. If 125 ppm is our optimum point or our sufficiency scale, if I'm at 125%, if I'm going to the blackjack tables or if I'm going to Vegas, I'm not going to put a lot of money down that says that if I apply potassium, I will get a response. Does it mean there is no chance of a response? No, it does not mean that. It means the probability is low. If I'm at 120, remembering 125 is critical, if I'm at 120 ppm, does that mean I absolutely will get a response if I apply fertilizer K? No. The probability is there, but it's still very low because you're close to that critical threshold. It's as we go closer to zero, moving from 125 ppm to 100 ppm, my probability to get an economic response out of applying potassium fertilizer is increased. As we go to 50, I'm going to lay money down that my probability to get uh, increase of uh, economic increase to potassium is going to increase. As I get near zero, if I'm in single digits, I'm going to go to Vegas, I'm going to lay all my money down on, on the tables and say, you know what, I want to apply potassium fertilizer and I'm going to make money off of it because your probability is extremely high. So think of it as a sliding scale's probability. At 150, my probability of response to potassium fertilizer is not there. It's above critical threshold, I'm not saying it won't. If I'm below, it means that my probability is increasing as the closer I get to zero. That is the soil test side. How do we manage that in Oklahoma? It's a little bit of a two-fold issue. If I'm at a lower value crop or a lower yielding region, I'm a sufficiency. I do not apply if that value is above 125 and my probability is low of return. I'm looking at a 20 or 30 bushel wheat crop. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to farm as is. 
But, however, if I'm growing a 250-300 bushel corn crop, if I'm growing a five-bell cotton crop, at that point, then I start looking at, okay, not only am I looking at sufficiency, I'm looking at replacement because I'm removing so much potassium. A soybean crop and a cotton crop are some of our largest K users. In fact, a high-yielding cotton crop can remove as much as three to four pounds of potassium per day during bow load. A high-yielding soybean crop can be pulling one to two pounds very easily during peak, peak uh, uh, fill time. So we have some high-demanding crops. Recommendations is still pre-plant incorporated to get it in there or pre-plant broadcast in uh, no-till. We get good incorporation. The plus I'm standing right now though go into effect about what we can do in season. So right now I'm standing in the alley of two trials, or of two plots. This is a trial for Dr. Lofton, our cropping system specialist, looking at residue management in double crop soybeans. I look at these and you see in, in my alley that I'm standing in, we have significant potassium deficiencies right here and go to either side. The plots do not showing very much potassium. You can find small symptomology. Uh, that potassium deficiency that we're looking for uh, in these plants, you have the margins of the leaf that have a yellowing chorosis. You have the margins of the older leaves that are actually turning necrotic. Necrosis means you have death of tissue. So the more you have of that impact, the more tissue death you're actually seeing. On the newer growth, you'll see the chorosis. And you get up here on the really new growth and you see just a slight yellowing of that leaf margin. That's, that's very classic potassium deficiency. But if we go over into the plot area or near the plots, we see that, you know, we have nice good leaves. We have very no symptomology right on this plant of potassium deficiency. What was the difference? Well, the interesting thing about these plots is that we'd watch it progress from early vegetative stages. We'd seen it go, everything looked good. And in a three day time frame, the crop went from looking perfect to potassium deficiency symptomology around R1. We were able to get out, or, or Lofton was able to get out within a couple days and apply 0060 over the top with rainfall. So this crop on either side of me, if you look right or you look left, you're going to see a nice green crop. It's because of a side dress potassium application of 0060, just dry fertilizer. Within a matter of five days, those potassium deficiencies went away. We completely recovered, which means just because you see a K deficiency in a field does not mean you're behind. And it doesn't mean that you have to go and do something extreme with a very high cost product. Dry potash worked well here. Now I want to talk about these plots a little bit more and talk about what we're seeing. The soil test in this site is a little low. We're at about 110 ppm potassium, which means, yeah, the probability of response, it's there, but not extremely high. What I see in this field is a combination of what I'm seeing on a lot of fields in the Southern Great Plains, is that we have a combo of soil by plant. You gotta remember our soil test, that 110 ppm at this location, is looking at what could the plant physically get near, what's available by the soil. It does not tell us one extremely important aspect. Potassium is still a relatively immobile nutrient and the plant has to seek it out via its roots. What I believe we're seeing on this field and many other fields in Oklahoma is the fact that we have stunted roots for one condition or the other. In this field, if we dig down, if we want to dig down and look at these roots, take a look what they look like. And I'm going to suspect that this root of this deficient plant 
it's not going to be what we want. I'm getting a restrictive layer already. I'm seeing how it lifts up with this no-till. We have a restrictive layer at depth. Get in here, pull this plant up. To be honest, this is a perfect example. We have a root that went down that seed and it's going sideways. We do not have a lot of exploration. We do not have a lot of fibrous roots to get into that K. So this is, I see this very, very often is if we have um, a clay film on the seed wall or something where it's going down and what you see is this root goes down and it traces the, the row. So it's following that row restricting roots. So even if we had enough potassium out here, we're getting deficiencies because the roots can't access it. Let's go look at another place in the field where it had some extra nitrogen and growing better than this bulk area that was limited. So as I moved to another part of the field, this is an experimental field of ours that we managed inside. So a lot of the area that we just came from was very nitrogen depleted. Over in this area, you see these plants, bigger plants, healthier plants are growing well. This has not had any potassium. This had early season nitrogen on the wheat crop. And so we have residual. And what we get is a healthier plant with bigger, better roots. And so I truly believe in this field that we have an impact of residual nitrogen impacting the soybeans, allowing them to grow better, have better rooting systems, rooting structure, getting better access to the potassium. Again, I'm seeing this over and over again as we start digging into and discussing this potassium issue in field. Are our soil tests perfect? Absolutely not. Our soil tests are not perfect. We're using chemistry to estimate biology. We're doing the best we can with that. It gives us a great starting point. If you're extremely low, you know you need potassium. But what we can't forget about is the physiology and biology of the plants we're working with. Are we working with plants that are not able to put on enough root to support the biomass? In a cotton crop, what we see as we go into higher, higher yielding cotton, as the demand for potassium in a four and five bell cotton crop goes to three and four and five pounds of K per day, that that crop, when we have a K stress and such a heavy bow loading period, that crop cannot access enough potassium to support that bow load. I also see it in big yielding, high yielding beans, 80 and 90 bushel beans. If we have any restriction in root growth whatsoever, we start seeing potassium deficiencies, especially during the time where we start having pod fill and the K demands of that crop start increasing. So just because you have a high soil test potassium value and you're getting K flashes and K deficiencies, it does not mean per se that we are doing wrong on soil testing. It might be that that crop just can't access the potassium that's in the soil that soil test sees. We're learning more about this. We're looking more to in-season applications. We're looking to see how we can take advantage of this and how we can treat this economically to maximize yield and maximize nutrient efficiencies. Again, I'm Brian Arnell with Oklahoma State University. I appreciate your time.